Hello and welcome to the second episode of the 2022 season of AGM Watch, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. Each year we monitor the performance of most of Australia's top 200 companies, protecting the rights of retail shareholders with a dedicated team of volunteer company monitors. Rachel Waterhouse is the CEO of the ASA. Hi Rachel. Hi Phil. (laughs) How's it been um, working with the company monitors? Fantastic. I mean they're amazing aren't they really with the work that they do? They're absolutely amazing. So we Mm. have between 120 and 140 at a time monitoring the ASX 200 companies, working very closely with Fiona Bowser, Mm. who's the policy and advocacy manager. But the time they give um, in analysing a company, in meeting with the chair and the directors of that company is, is amazing and makes so much value and provides great information for our members. I think it's also great that some of the, um, the the volunteers have worked in the industries that they are specialising in researching and monitoring. Yeah, that's very true. We have a lot of experienced members in, mm. in the monitoring function, but even with an example of yesterday, a webinar on the future of batteries, we had some very good questions around batteries and renewables and the detail of all sorts of chemicals. So we do have a diverse <laughs> yeah. membership that are very experienced mm-hmm. and they're passionate about looking out for good companies. Yeah. And um, oh, I was reading, we're going to be talking about AGL today, but um, John Cowling, your predecessor, gave a presentation at one of the member meetings about um, the future of decarbonisation as well, didn't he? Which um, uh, sounded quite interesting. Yeah, John Cowling's done a lot of work in presentations for our members and he continues to do it even mm-hmm. after being the CEO. And that is an interesting presentation and he has made that available for many member meetings across Australia. Okay, so we're going to have a look at um, a couple of AGMs that you've attended. And the first one is the Qantas AGM. And when we were talking previously, you were surprised at the amount of security that they had for people going in. Yeah, there was a lot of security as you entered the AGM. And even being in the AGM, you could see security at every door, every exit door. Uh, there was a lot of security when you compare it to other AGMs like Telstra, where it wasn't as visible. Mm. Why do you think that is? Well, I guess there is an element there of just making sure that the board, management and staff, there are a lot of staff there you could see, um, are protected. And um, how about the turnout? I believe um, there weren't that many retail investors there. I was surprised. It yeah. was a low show for, mm-hmm. for retail investors, but the ones that were there were very passionate and asking really good questions of Alan Joyce, the CEO, and also of the chair. Maybe there was a relatively small turnout because they were happy with the results. <laughs> Potentially. I guess, you know, really the results... Uh, they haven't been great for Qantas over three years. The The share price has really dropped. They've been running at a loss for, for those three years and there's a turnaround and maybe that might be the reason that there weren't so many there because they had uh, forecast some, some good revenue coming in over the next half year. Um, potentially that could be the case. But there's a lot of work with Qantas to be done. In the first quarter of COVID, they actually lost 98% of their revenue, which, you know, of course is really significant. And you don't see that in many companies that can lose 98% of their revenue and then continue to operate. So they really need to make revenue. They really need to build up their reserves. What they did do well was investing in aircraft even during COVID. 
Uh, They have had challenges such as travel restrictions, people not wanting to travel. They reduced their workforce and then brought a lot of it back. So they've had to do a lot of training. And then there's also been COVID absenteeism. But what Alan Joyce really talked about is that a lot of their service levels were back to pre-COVID levels and they were predicting high revenue from travel and, and domestic travel as well. So what are the numbers looking like for the current financial year? Okay, so Qantas is experiencing a net profit after tax losses. Well, they have experienced losses for the last three financial years. And last year, the loss was $860 million. What they're predicting, though, is for the next, the first half of this year, the underlying profit before tax will be between $1.2 billion and $1.3 billion. We have seen the share price fluctuate over the last year, really between $4.40 and about $6 at this point in time and it's on an upward trend yeah it seems like um considering what they've been through has you know it's still historically within the range it's been in for a long time the share price hasn't it yeah it's been jumping around but it hasn't significantly changed and you know retail shareholders are really looking to what the future will hold and Mm. the revenue that will come in why did asa vote in favor of all the resolutions We voted in favour because Qantas is getting back to the pre-COVID levels. We expect that uh, a lot of work needs to go into turning the business around and the recovery plan that was put in place was put in place for the CEO and executives to shift the organisation to better performance and Alan Joyce had more of a uh, target around customers as well, which was changed uh, for, for the year ahead. So we do think that if... Alan Joyce and the executive team achieve the targets, then the company will be in a good position. But, you know, retail shareholders have different views on this and that's understandable because there's a lot of money that we're talking about for an executive to be paid. Mm. And anecdotally, there's a lot of customers, I think, who aren't quite as happy with Qantas, especially with the cancellations and the price of airfares. Yeah, and that did come through in the AGM as well. There were customers who were shareholders standing up and giving their experiences of what had happened this year for them. And what was the chair's answer to the ASA question relating to board renewal and CEO succession? I mean, Alan Joyce has been there for a hell of a long time. Yeah, he's been there for over 14 years mm. and it it sounds like he will be there until the end of next year. The chair did talk about they have succession plans in place and that most board meetings they do talk about succession and they have executives waiting in the wings. And that is something that ASA asked the question on and we were really pleased to hear the answer. Yeah, because um, ASA has always had a policy of not wanting CEOs hanging around too long. Yeah, I mean, the the challenge here is you want a high-performing CEO of any organisation, but you also want to know that you have executives in the wings that could take that role. You shouldn't be reliant on just one person forever. Yeah, not too much key man risk. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's move on to AGL. And I wanted to begin with this Twitter quote from Mike Cannon-Brooks, AGL's largest shareholder, and it's via Grok and Gallopier. I'm still not sure of the corporate st- corporate structure, but we will be referring, I guess, to both of those in this conversation. And the quote goes, a great day in the future of Australia's decarbonisation. Thank you to the incredible, talented individuals stepping up to help guide AGL into its next chapter and the amazing shareholders who overwhelmingly supported them. Do you have any commentary on that um, quote from MCB? 
I guess AGL has a lot of challenges as an organisation. They have focused on traditional energy and sources, and now they're working towards the renewables, but they need to get the balance right because they need to be able to supply energy at affordable energy while still making a profit as an organisation. So there is a challenge there around decarbonisation, but the confidence of the market that there will be energy for individuals and consumers and businesses to operate. So that's that's the challenge is the board coming in really need to think about the decarbonisation plans they already have in, in place and they've got a strategy and a revised strategy, but how do they make that work? And so that's the board's responsibility to make sure that they govern effectively and work with the management team because we don't want to see the price as consumers um, go up too much potentially there. And we also need to make sure that energy is provided all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm. So does ASA feel that it's possibly rushing in a bit too headlong at the moment? Well, ASA doesn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. What we want to see is and have the confidence that that strategy will be put in place and will be able to be delivered on and that the board would be looking at examples of overseas and making sure that supply is working here. There's a lot of technology as well coming, which may make the renewables space more efficient than it currently is as well. What situation did the meeting leave the current chair, Patricia McKenzie, in? So Patricia has said on the record that she will work with all directors that are elected, and, um, and and we believe, as the ASA, that she will. So they do have now a full board. It's time for them to get together and get down to business. The previous AGL board only supported one of Grok's nominee directors, not all four. Was there a bit of friction there about that? We don't believe so. Mm-hmm. We believe that Patricia has said that she will work with those Grok uh, nominees and all four are in. And so now we have a full board and it's time for them to work together. And there has been a question about their independence, the um, the four Grok Galapia um, nominated board members. Yeah, there has been a question there. It's quite interesting when you read the media and it talks about that they may not be independent. Uh, our monitor who looks after AGL is Helen Manning mm. and Fiona, policy and advocacy manager, and I met with all four of them and they clearly stated their independence. They provided their independence publicly and most of them had never met Mike Cannon-Brooks at all, had any conversation. And they understand their director duties. So they may have been part of, you know, a ticket of four going up towards uh, the board, but The reality is they've now been appointed to the board and they need to adhere to their director duties and they are alliances to the organisation, not to another individual or a major shareholder. Yeah, and I noticed in the um, the summary as well that the the, the signed statements of independence all seemed very similar, but um, you've satisfied yourself that there is... Yeah, yeah, we definitely observed that too, that the statements were very similar, uh, but we do believe they are independent. How fast is AGL moving away from coal? 
Well, they're moving away a lot faster than they planned earlier this year with one of the coal power plants actually closing 10 years ahead of what they had initially planned. Again, it really comes down to making sure they've got a strategy in place that they can implement effectively and ensure there is a good source of energy. Do you have any details on that plan? The, the plan, yes, they have made their plan public, but it is a good opportunity now that the whole board is in place that they review that strategy. And that's one of the things that ASA has said is once you've got that board in place, review the strategy, make sure you get your CEO in place and then implement it. Grock also voted against AGL's remuneration report. Um, tell us about that. Well, we voted against the remuneration report as well. Mm -hmm. And our rationale was around the fact that a lot of it was to do with past uh, employees and, you know, they're still looking through the CEO appointment. So we didn't think that it was a remuneration report that needed to be approved or a four vote on. So Mm -hmm. we were also against the remuneration report. And we really, once they've got in place their CEO, it's a good opportunity as they go through that process to think about what's the appropriate remuneration for the CEO they appoint. And uh, this was against the wishes of the major proxy advisors as well who backed the remuneration report. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing with, uh, with AGMs and voting is that often there are differences of opinion there and I'm not across all of the details on the proxy houses and, and their voting, but clearly across what ASA thinks on it and we really expect that as a CEO is appointed, they really think through the short-term and the long-term incentives to ensure that the strategy and plan is implemented. And AGL was disappointed about the backlash about the remuneration report. Yeah, I'm not... Did, I'm, any justification for that or...? I guess uh, a lot of organisations, when they put a lot of effort into what their perception of making sure that their remuneration report is the best it can be, it would be disappointing to have your first strike. Yeah. Uh, but it is a, an opportunity to really think about what it should be and have some time dedicated to that at the board to work it through for next year. Yeah, they don't like it, do they? No one loves the, the look of a first strike, do they? No, not at all. <laughs> not, not with the implications. All. But I don't know if anyone likes the look of a second strike either. <laughs> so best to avoid both. So let's look at AGL's financial performance, which um, seems quite disappointing on the face of it. The, the net profit after tax in FY22 was $860 million, And in 21, they had a significant loss Retail shareholders who've had their shares for multiple years will have seen a significant downgrade effectively in their share price. So if you had a share you bought in 2019, it was about $20 and right now it's $7.50. So disappointing for shareholders. It is disappointing and actually going to member meetings Mm. uh, because we have over 50 of those a month. Uh, there have been quite a few shareholders that talked about they had sold their shares already. Mm. So looking to AGL and the board, they should be thinking about how they are going to deliver on their plan and bring some of those retail shareholders back potentially in the future, but they will have to show performance. Mm. And do you think this is going to have any reverberations through the rest of the energy sector? Well, we're already seeing Origin being approached um, potentially to go private. So, yeah, potentially. Um, It's a challenging market. There's a lot of impacts transitioning to renewables. 
and ensuring that you're a competitive business. So yeah, it is a challenge for, for the energy sector in general here in Australia and also elsewhere. Any other observations you've got about this AGM season? Yeah, the AGM season, it's been great to really get back to face-to-face AGM. So we have seen AGMs coming back face-to-face. We've also seen them being in different locations to where the head office is. We have been very disappointed by a couple of AGMs that were face-to-face and a video link only. So that's not hybrid. A hybrid is where you can engage as a retail shareholder and, and vote in that meeting. Uh, So, you know, companies really need to think about how they're engaging with retail shareholders. So that would probably be the main observations. Uh, Some, you know, some AGMs have got a few retail shareholders there. Others like Telstra had a lot of people there. And we had a lot of our retail shareholders and members sitting in the audience. There were so many people there, you couldn't recognize everyone. Actually, we also had an AGM that was held recently where our members mentioned that there, um, there was no water available or drinks available at the time. And only after the AGM finished was water, beverages and snacks available. So, you know, that that is not a good good approach. So we are, we are contacting that company and just giving some feedback as well. <laughs> Strongly worded feedback, I hope. <laughs> Absolutely. You expect to have water available when you attend an AGM. We're nearly at the end, actually. We've monitored 195 companies this year, and we've only got 15 AGMs to go until the end of the year. So it's been a significant effort from all of our company monitors that have looked through those annual reports, met with chairs and directors, asked the hard questions, and then put together reporting to help our members know how to vote and how the AGM went. Rachel Waterhouse. Thanks very much for joining me. Thanks, Phil. 